to the Better Golf Podcast, powered by Win Daily Sports, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Better Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Tee Off Sports, and I'm happy to be joined by my partner, Sticks Picks, as we will be going through this raucous and rowdy edition of the Waste Management Open. But before we get into plays of any kind, I wanted to recap the week at Pebble Beach and talk about how we ended up on this show. Nick, I know you had a limited card in general for the event because of the lack of data and inferior betting boards that presented only a few opportunities, but how did everything go for you with DFS and betting? Sucked. It was it was terrible. I think half my player pool um, withdrew, so that was cool. <laughs> and then uh, betting was minus one. 0.97 units. I did not move on anybody live. So kind of saved myself with just the very, very limited card I had of, I think mine, like 220, 2.2 at risk and only returned, you know, so at 0.23. So not good. I hit one play. So very bad. Uh, going over <laughs> overboard on Dylan Fratelli and DFS. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, personally, I, I cannot stand that guy. Um, <laughs> Ownership was there, what I was looking for. He was playing good, kind of, you know, for, for the price that he had going into the week. Just, just didn't really happen. I was very high on Will Gordon, also one of my season-long fantasy Same. guys yeah. that I love. Didn't happen. So, I don't know. that. It was fun to watch, though. Like, Sunday was pretty enjoyable. Um, Monday finished. Didn't really watch a ton of that. Once I saw Rose was up, I think, four at one point and ended up winning by three, I kind of just – just let it happen. So, yeah, I'm excited for this week much more. Still on the betting side, though, we were talking about this offline. I don't know what's going on. I guess just, like, since golf betting has become a lot more mainstream, the books are squeezing it more. Like, in matchups, go to FanDuel, and, you know, we're not spokesperson for any of these books, but every single matchup is pretty much, like, a stud against a stud. Maybe, I mean, Shane Lowry is a recent major winner kind of. But, like, him against Ricky Fowler, nothing there for me. Billy Horschel against the Gala, like, that's probably as low as it gets. Maybe Norin and Siwoo, depending on who you're asking. But other than that, it is all studs against studs. I have no interest in really taking any stand on that. So, top 40 market is not as bad as I thought it would be, but still not good. Like, even, who was I very surprised of? Like, JT Poston, even money at plus yeah, at even money in the top 40 net, uh, market. I have met even money. I was expecting to see plus 140. I was going to hit that early. Didn't exist. Uh, it, it just sucks. The only one I found, I guess I'll, I'll say it, which was the Hammer Kid. I don't even like JJ Spawn, so he's not officially the Hammer Kid. I will go with the double down of Tommy Fleetwood plus 120 on FanDuel. Other than that, my betting card is pretty light. Um Pretty much only went after long shots in the outright market, too. But I think this is a fantastic week for DFS, and it's just a fantastic week for golf. I believe it is the biggest sporting event outside of, what is there, maybe the Indy 500, I think, has more people. But just, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome to watch. I'll be in Vegas, too. So if any of the listeners are in Vegas, hit me up. Spencer obviously lives there. Uh, Spencer, let's go get uh, a bite to eat Friday or Saturday. I think we're going to plan on a Saturday lunch before the uh, debauchery starts with me and my friends out in Vegas that day. But I think the plan is just to go sit at Circa Friday to watch golf and watch the cut line. And then not sure for Saturday, I'm sure Saturday is going to be an absolute mess at every sports book for all the Super Bowl betters and stuff like that. So 
for you as a resident, what would you recommend we do on Saturday? Just, you know, a couple of Chicago boys heading, heading to drink beer and, and gamble a lot. But not all my friends that are going are big time table players. So have to find something else with my time. So I just because like I could sit in a blackjack room or poker room all day long. Um, hopefully not go to the ATM too much, but yeah, I like, I'm, I'm content sitting in a room all day long with no window and just looking down at my watch and it's 3am and you know, then what do I do? I I'm simple in that regard. I, I like walking through the casinos and just like, you see different decor in all the places. And, you know, you look at like a, a casino, like the Bellagio, they always have their festival like type of setup for that year. And, um, you know, if you look at the Venetian, I know that's where you're staying. They have a nice mall in there. Caesar's Palace has a mall there. Like, that's kind of my idea of fun is just walking around these places, checking out the sports books, uh, randomly going to shops in there. I don't do anything that extravagant or exciting. Like, that's about as lame of an answer as you can get. <laughs> it's like, dude, I don't think I'm going to go shopping in Vegas. Probably not. Unless I get on a heater, you never know. Like, I'm okay to to give back to the community if I win, so... You know, I did not win when I was out there in October, hence why they decided they were kind enough to give me a uh, a suite this week. So, you know, other than that, I don't know. So sounds like I'll probably be at the casino all day. Saturday. It's going to be cold. Too. What's going on with the weather out there, dude? I looked at 60 is like the high every single day. What the hell? I could stay home. It's 50 here. It can get really cold. It, like sometimes during the winter, it, it reaches like 30 degrees. Unreal, man. I thought it was a desert. Yeah. It's like we have bipolar weather. It's super cold in the winter and then extremely hot in the summer. But if you're looking for a random casino to go to, I always like Cosmo. I, they don't necessarily. Okay. Cosmo's like a good time. Yeah, they have some nice stuff there. And then uh, Arias is pretty okay, too. I do like Aria. Aria is very nice. Yeah. I've always, uh, Ryan Moore, I always, uh, he was, yeah. you know, uh, he was on uh, on TV on Sunday for the, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am mm-hmm. and I love that shirt. He's wearing that shirt, that pullover, that Aria sponsored pullover. I looked online for one, can't find it. So I, I don't know how I can get an Aria pullover. So maybe I'll just walk into Aria. I will go shopping at Aria for the pullover because I don't know. I, I love their little font that they use in. I love that casino and hotel. It's super nice and uh, very modern. So yes. other than that, r- random rant about Vegas and the weather. Sorry to bore all of you. Let's get into the waste management. Perfect. Uh, so I guess I will. Sp- speak for myself here where I say I'm beyond thrilled to be past the rotational events. Maybe they would be more fun if we had stat tracker at every single stop, but the limited data became frustrating and put us in all these precarious situations that didn't feel conducive to us making the most out of the opportunities. Uh, The field this week is going to be incredible with 132 players. 22 of the top 25 are here and active. The only non-live names that we are missing will be Will Zalatoris, who continues to have injury problems to begin the year. Last five winners of the tournament have been Scotty Scheffler at 16 under last year, uh, Brooks Kepka 19 under, Webb Simpson 17 under. I think I should probably be muted from saying his name for the foreseeable future on this podcast. Yep. Webb showed his true colors last week. I think I have to be out, unfortunately, moving forward. Uh, <laughs> Ricky Fowler won this in 2019 at 17 under, and then Gary Woodland in 2018 at 18 under. There's obviously a ton to talk about when we handicap this course. It's golf's biggest party of the year. But aside from the complete spectacle that is TPC Scottsdale, speak to us a little bit about what you found important from a model building perspective. 
Um, what I find important is last year when the waste management happened, I sucked at AT&T Pro. And we talked about that last week. That was a huge betting card for me when they actually did have top 40s. After the waste management and so while starting at the waste management, dude, we went absolutely nuts. So that's when FanDuel laid the minus 140 on Scotty Scheffler to finish top 40. I believe I emptied almost my net worth on that. Whatever FanDuel would take, I just kept betting that. Um, we also had Scotty Scheffler to win, so that was fantastic. And then the Genesis happened, and that was Joaquin Neiman. I believe we hit that outright, too. And then the Honda was positive. I don't think I did not hit the outright because that was uh, that was Sep, right? That was the Sep coming out party there. I had Shane Lowry, though, and I believe that's who he bet. A, he beat in the last hole. So that was kind of a bummer, but also three fantastic return on event return on investment events, starting with the waste management. So I hope that happens. The um, Honda's the event where burger imploded, right? Yes. Yeah. I had, I had burger, burger. Yep. Yeah. I went Scheffler Neiman in back to back weeks and it was going to be a three peat with burger who took it like a six shot lead into that final round. And then, Absolutely imploded, but I just went and looked right now. It was over 23 units that I won during this three tournament stretch oh, last year. Let's go. Yeah, I think mine was 19, so not not nearly as high as you, but close. Yeah, I did have Shane Lowry that week. He did finish second in the Honda Classic. That sucks, but good for Sep. I like Sep. Yeah, we've been all we were all over those boards. And I, I want to say like that's one of the things is when the data starts coming into play, I feel like we have really good rollover. Uh, statistics like when we like an event we tend to do well at that event year after year so yes sir uh, however we're building it is obviously working and this has been an event where you know i had xander two years ago and xander ended up messing up at the very end of that tournament so i mean like i could have had a winner at this event i think like three straight years dating back to that uh 2020 season there so I don't know. I, I like this and and I'll keep everything like strictly as a golf related answer when talking about this course. I think there's obviously a lot of quirky circus like descriptions and other things that you can hear from my writing or another podcast that I do. But the first thing about this venue is that the grass does tend to speed up throughout the event. We see that on the greens where it will be this fast and firm overseeded texture. And we also get that on the fairways when we look into the elevation and rollout that will help provide a 12 yard increase in driving distance compared to an average tour stop. Total driving will be a massive benefit for those in the field who can take advantage of their distance and accuracy. And then a heightened GIR rate should continue to add to that ball striking return that we often want out of our players. There's probably something to be said about mental fortitude and accepting the upside down nature of the week. You know, that's going to mean golfers that don't take themselves as seriously are typically the ones that find success. Unfortunately, that's not really a quantifiable metric that we can put into a model at this point. But let me quickly run through everything that I did build, because uh, I do think it's an important event to talk about the weights that I have. So I started with weighted tee to green for 22 and a half percent because the greens are large and quick. Putting has been neutralized over the years at this track. Many metrics will point in the direction of tee to green being a measurable statistic worth considering. I think everybody who listens to this show knows I never love the generic blueprint of these totals because it doesn't identify course-specific data points. Yeah. Uh, instead, I went through the pertinent data at this venue over the past 10 years and looked at how strokes gain in areas such as, you know, your common off the tee approach around the green, how that's impacted the tournament over the inundated tee to green averages. I did strokes gain total at TPC properties for 7.5%. Typically, we can add this weight onto any TPC track because they all emulate one another. 
but Scottsdale only partially falls into that category because of its unique structure. We have seen the rollover of course history consistently rank as high as anywhere that isn't Augusta National, which generally means there are underlying qualities that players can use to their advantage. It doesn't hurt that my model picked up some of those parallels between how golfers have performed at TPC properties and Scottsdale in the past for me to feel confident putting seven and a half percent, but it's usually about as low as you will find me go for a TPC property. I usually like like the 10 to 15% range when I feel a little bit more confident about those venues. I did weighted fast screens for 10%. Uh, this is a good conversation, I think, for us to have, Nick, because I wanted to avoid getting caught up with adding too much of this into the fray sense. In my opinion, and I know you have a differing opinion, I think that's what makes this interesting. I think putting, I, I think specifically here, it can be offset. Uh, I think in general, putting is a hard statistic to look at. If I Before I move on with this answer, how much putting do you have in your model this week? Not a ton. Like you said, the greens are you know, long. I, I think ball striking is just much more important this week. I was actually kind of pleased to see how much my model wanted to spit out around the green. Looking at last year, yeah. it's a small sample size. The year before, it's, it's pretty consistent too. The guys that were top 20 in strokes gain around the green all finished inside the top 50. And pretty similar, I believe, all but Davis Riley in 2021. Same situation there. Um, 2020, I didn't go back that far yet. But yeah, I mean, overall putting, not nearly as high as I have strokes and off the tee in my certain proximities for um, approaches. Yeah, my weighted tee to green also saw an added emphasis on around the green play. And then I removed most of that when it came to these weighted fast greens. So that would be 80% of my weight in that category went into strokes gain total on fast. Or I guess, let me rephrase that. In strokes gain tee to green uh, in this weighted fast category. And then the final 20% incorporated putting on a quicker surface. To me, that's just a recalculated ball striking statistic that added an extra semblance to the flat stick. Like I'm all about ball striking this week. You're going to see that with all variations of my model. I just keep going back to trying to find guys who hit it well off the tee, who are accurate and long, guys who are good in the weighted proximity ranges that I was looking for, uh, guys who can figure out how to fix the score from around the green. Like that's like the three big things for me. And then everything else I'll figure out as it goes through with it. Um, yeah. I have weighted par four for 12 and a half percent. We get 3.1% more second shots between 125 to 200 yards in an average tour stop. I have par five birdie or better for 17 and a half percent. We lose one par five over a standard par 72 layout, but scoring at these three chances should be nearly as impactful as combining the other 15 holes into one range. I thought that was one of the interesting things that I found like, sure, the par fours and the par threes were ever so slightly more important. But when you're telling me three holes are just right below that, like, to me, that means we need aggression, which I'll get to in a second. We need guys that are going to be able to score in, on these types of holes. Um, all three have over a 40% birdie or better percentage. Uh, the eagle rates tend to stretch out over 2% on each one of them. So scoring on the par fives will be important. I have a going for the green for 10%. That's the aggression that I'm talking about. And I love doing it for two main reasons. For starters, all the par fives uh, are going to be scorable, as I said, they all have over a 2% eagle rate. Uh, that's about as high as you'll see for any PGA Tour course. And then second, the risk-reward par for 17th amplifies the notion that we need an all-out attack mindset. And then I wrapped it up with ball striking for 20%. So like that's just another way of going back into that category. Uh, that's a 60-40 split between distance and accuracy. 
The length will help create easier scoring chances. The accuracy avoids the desert where cactuses and other pitfalls loom for those that miss the fairway. And then I added in GIR percentage to get my ball striking total for the week. Top five of that model. This is about as standard as you can get. Uh, John Rahm, number one. Rory McIlroy, number two. Xander Shoffley, three. Patrick Cantlay, four. And Scotty Scheffler, five. It's a very similar list when I ran this for upside. Although I will say that Justin Thomas overtook Xander in that regard. The place in the top five of that area. Uh, I happen to know what your top five is this week, but uh, do you want to tell everybody what you landed on? Well, having changed it a little bit since that post, it's very similar. It is going to be Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa, Tom Kim, Xander Shoffley, Rory McIlroy. So John Rahm is sixth, just outside, and I can't really figure out. Like, I guess the the sample size of approach isn't as fantastic as it should be in, in comparison to those guys, I guess. But yeah, he's grading out overall as compared to those other five lower on the approach, but I'm not too worried about that. Like I'm, I'm probably going to have a good bit of John Rahm. I mean, looking at the sports books again, he's pretty much seven to one exclusively. So <laughs> I mean, he's playing fantastic golf course. History is fantastic here. Did you weight course history heavily? Like I know it's a predictable course. One of the higher, I should say that we go to, but debutants also have a lot of success here. So I, I feel like I don't really care. I weighed it how I would weigh an average course. It was no more, no less with it. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. I think in terms of course history, it'll, to me, it'll probably, and this is usually the way that I talk about it most times, it'll probably only matter to me if it's like, you know, a player A against player B in my DFS pool or DFS sure. lineup in a single entry or something like that. Like if I'm looking, I don't know, like Sanjay against Tom Kim, like ownership's probably going to be pretty high on both of them. And if I had to choose one, I'm going to choose Sanjay because I know the course history is there. And honestly, I, I think Sanjay is still like a more trustworthy golfer than Tom Kim is. But Tom Kim grades so well for everybody. Everybody's talking about him here and everything like that. But if I had to choose for one and I had the extra $100 on DraftKings, I'd choose Sanjay for that reason. Have you seen where Sanjay has stretched out in odds against Tom Kim on particular books out there? No, I have not. I don't have it up in front of me right now. I want to say Sanjay... I'll look this up um, and give a real answer to this. I want to say Sungjae's out into like the minus 160 or minus 170 range. Holy cow. Okay. That's intense. I mean, that's noteworthy. I'm checking Pinnacle now live. I, I don't think Pinnacle has that matchup. I see he's pretty much even to Justin Thomas, which makes sense. Sungjae, that is. And yeah, I don't see it at Pinnacle. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, Sungjae is minus 162 against tom kim at bookmaker i mean if you are just like number shopping at the time of recording this and this is not a bet that i'm gonna be on but uh, if you have access to bovada it's minus 115 both ways so um you know you're getting a 47 point difference there if you want to believe that the bookmaker number is more or less accurate circa's got sunjay favorite over morikawa too so but i think i'm choosing sunjay in that uh, that had to head or, or that DFS conversation for multiple reasons now. But yeah, like that is pretty much like we talked about this, like diving into how I go about my player pool, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, you know, everybody's got their own way and I'll never tell anybody they're wrong, but going into the matchups, going into, you know, course history, if I have to, like for 
when I'm really stuck between a decision. I feel like Sanjay and Tom Kim is a very hard decision, but I think I would for sure lean Sanjay right now. All right, Nick, I guess the DFS board is yours. As always, I'm sure everyone would love to hear the wagers that we are on when we talk about these players, but start us off in the $10,000 and above section. Xander, Finau, Scotty, Rory, and Rom. Nothing but studs. I think I'm going to be out on Xander. I know he's healthy. I think he said, you know, I was listening to Sirius XM PGA Tour radio today. He said he's about 90 to 95% is what they're reporting. I believe Chris Powers from Golf Digest, good Twitter follow too, by the way, um, said the same thing. He talked to Xander recently. I think he quoted like 95, mid 90s percent. My back feels like, I don't know how you ever come up with that number, but you know, good for Xander. He's getting healthy. One of my favorite golfers, we all know that. I think in terms of ownership, it's looking like John Rahm is going to carry 20%. I think that's probably standard for any tournament we're looking at, especially if it's a loaded field. We'll probably see Rahm capped around 20 to 25. I don't think we'll see 30 to 40% Rahm like we would in a lesser of a field event. Um, Rory sitting there right around 18 and save for Xander. So I think out of those three, if I had to cut one, I'll probably cut Xander because I think I'm very interested in Tony Finau, sub 10%, and Scotty Scheffler right at 10%. I don't know if I believe those, but that's the numbers I have right now. I, I love all of them. I don't know who to cut other than Xander. Like if I had to, it's probably Finau because I don't trust them nearly as much as I trust Rory and Scotty and Rum. But I don't know, man. Like, is, is there. I kind of want to fade Rum and just go to Rory and Scotty, mainly Scotty. Like, I, I love Scotty here. I know he won here last year, but. I don't know. There's just something about $700 less to get Scotty Scheffler when it's pretty much, you know, a relatively close head to head. I don't know. What are your thoughts up top? It's tough, man. I hate the nut cutting that you have to do up top, but you kind of got to take a stand because I'm not going to play field weight on all these guys. I'm going two or three X on the three that I choose. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the best way to do it. And like yeah. the numbers that I see from an ownership perspective, uh, would be a little bit different than yours. Like I, I'm not saying, I think yours were much more correct than mine last week. I did update mine for whatever. No, please. Like, by all means. I mean, it's early too. This is Tuesday. So a lot it, could change in 24 hours. Uh, I'll quickly run through the numbers that I see on them just to like throw them out. So I, I see Rom at 21.7%. Yeah. I see Rory at 20.22%. Scheffler 19.21. Finau 16.17. And Xander 21.02. Look, I, I mean, I'm not saying that that's exactly what it's going to be. Like, although I do imagine that most people start a lineup with one of those guys. So, I mean, it doesn't seem outlandish uh, ownership percentage to me to think that that's could be more or less accurate with it. I think the one that I'm most inclined to get rid of, and part of this just comes down to everybody being so close in ownership. I'd rather take the players that grade better in my model. I guess Finau would be my least favorite based off yep. of that answer. Um, I'm also less likely to want to play Xander just because if you're telling me he's the same ownership percentage as Rory, more or less, or he's even going to be more popular than Rory, I'd still rather just spend $800 more and play Rory at that point. So I guess for me, it comes down to, and I'm probably only going to play two of the three. It's probably Rom, Rory, or Scotty. And I think that's where it's like a really tough decision to try to figure out what route to go. Cause um, you know, Rom's number one in my model. Rory's number two in my model. Scheffler becomes number two in my model when I run this just purely from upside. I think uh, his win equity increases are very intriguing if we are getting some sort of a rebate or a discount in ownership. 
for the sake of this show, just since we don't have all the information in front of us right now and numbers are going to change, I guess Rom, Rory, Scheffler would be the three that I at least have intrigue in. And then I'm going to cut cut the bottom two in Finau and Xander. Yep. I think uh, as of now, that is probably where I will lean. Yeah, Finau's that high. If he's sub 10%, I think I'll take a look. But other than that, like I don't trust him nearly as much as I trust Scotty. Like Scotty's probably going to be my main guy there what are your thoughts overall on rory like is he just a lock play i mean if there's any downside to him i guess it'd be hitting fairways but he's so good out of the rough too like does it even matter i i thought rory you know we saw last week when he won the tournament like he said he wasn't in form he wasn't playing golf and then he goes out and still wins or a week or two ago whenever it was um I don't know. I mean, the, the current form that we're getting from him is just incredible. Like he hasn't finished outside 10th place in however many events it is in a row right now. You get, give the same answer about Rom too. Like both of those guys are just so in form with it. And like, if you're directly comparing Rory and Scotty, I think to me, that's maybe more of like where I could be convinced to go elsewhere with it. Like if for some reason there's a, let's just hypothetically say Scotty is going to be four or 5% less, which is not what I see right now. But if it does end up coming to that way, I'd be okay playing Scotty over Rory and removing Rory from the pool. But I, I think like ownership aside from this, I'd still rather play Rom and Rory and kind of just figure it out from there. Yeah. And Rory's one of the best putters on the planet right now. That's what scares me. Like, I, I just think he's fade proof. Feels like that. Yep. All right. Let's go to the nine case. So we got inflated price. I don't even know if you could say that now. No disrespect to Max Homa, but to see him at the top of the 9K range, 9,900. Justin Thomas, 98. Morikawa, Cantley, Hideki, Hovland, Sunjay, Tom Kim, and Fitzpatrick. I think I'm out on Fitzpatrick. He was so bad last week with the, the neck injury. I don't know yeah. if that got any better. I'm just going to wait and see. I'm good on him. We talked about Tom Kim and Sunjay, so let's talk about 9,300 and above. Hovland, Matsuyama, Cantley, Morikawa, Thomas, and Homa. What are your thoughts on Thomas? If I'm seeing sub 10% for him as well, and he is awesome here, but is there something wrong with his game? And he's a guy that's having a hard time in fairways too. I'm not as worried about him missing fairways here. Like the course history has been so pristine. He's produced five consecutive top 17 finishes at the venue. I mean, we know at this point, he's one of the winningest players that you're going to find in a PGA tour event. I think he's up to 15 total wins that he's added at this point. Um, he hasn't been able to add to that tally since the PGA championship in May, but the upside that he receives in my model is super intriguing. Like I ended up punching an outright ticket on him. I found a 26 to one out there. Got um, it, yeah. That was on at bookmaker. If you have access, that's still available at this point. But um, you know, I, I just think that like when you're looking at pure upside and pure win equity, it's hard to find many other names in this range that can equal what the best version of him brings out. And I don't see sub 10% ownership. If oh, you were to... What do you see? That was my next question. So I have 17.51%. Where's all this ownership going? Like, okay, so what's home is probably going to be pretty low just because people see Max home and it's 9,900 may turn them off. Like JT's cheaper. Collins cheaper. What's Collins ownership. That's got to be like the highest 20. 25 i have 21 okay i think i'm fading morikawa every single person in the space is talking about him and i get it he's very he's number two for me overall in my implied probabilities for winning this event 
I'm out on Morikawa if he's 20%. That's how I always feel with Morikawa. Unless I'm I'd rather have JT. I I refuse to believe JT will be that high owned. It's if weird. all those guys have that ownership, then that's saying the field is starting at the 9K range and going two of them instead of, and just forgetting the 10K range. I feel like that's not going to happen. I don't know, though, Nick. Like, you can technically build. I, I mean, guess you, if people are playing the 6K range, I'm sorry I keep cutting you off, but I have, like, I have no interest in the 6K range for the most part right now. You know what I think people are doing, and I don't want to jump too far ahead with this. I, I think one of the popular routes that you're going to see is a start in the $10,000 plus uh, one of these golfers in the $9,000 range. And I think a yep. lot of people are rushing down into the 6,000 range and grabbing like Hayden Buckley at 10%. That's not what I want to do. Like I'd rather yeah. not play Hayden Buckley, even if the ownership, like, the price is fine, I guess. Like, I mean, he's kind of fair priced at 6,800 and we can get there in a second, but I don't know. I tend to agree with you. Like there are a couple $6,000 players that I like that I think you can mix and match to make it work. But um, to me, it does seem somewhat likely that you can play a $10,000 golfer. You can play a $9,000 golfer. And with everybody mixing and matching who those names are, I don't think it's an outlandish idea to believe that a lot of these players could be trickling around 20%. And that kind of goes back to what you were just saying, Nick, too. If we don't think Rom or any of these guys are going to stretch out into this 30% range, then you kind of have everybody condensed in the same exact area there. Yeah. I think the AK range is going to be the low own range. And that's, I think where we get, I mean, yeah, looking at AK ownership right now, other than Cameron Young, everybody's pretty low owned. So I think that's probably where you get different. Before we, before we move on into that, um, just very quickly, uh, do you have thoughts on Patrick Cantlay and Hideki Matsuyama? Hideki, I mean, it is what it is. He's great at this course. Game's pretty good. I mean, he looked – boy, he's at the Farmers last, right? And he looked really good there too. I, I didn't have nothing bad to say about him. I, just doesn't do a whole lot for me. Like, he doesn't gain a ton yeah. of strokes off the tee lately, so I feel like he's probably the odd man out. I'd much rather have Cantlay. I'd much rather have, you know, Morikawa ownership agnostic here and, and JT. I'm still convinced JT's going to be a little owned. I hope you're right with, and you might be right with that. Just when you look at like what markets think of Justin Thomas, and I know that's not like the only thing that matters here, but he is such a massive underdog in every head to head matchup. He is drifting in the wrong direction in the outright market. I haven't seen that many people on him. That's usually a pretty good sign that the ownership's going to go in the other direction. Cause there's very rarely outliers that you're going to find. Maybe more when you find one of those golfers that, is a long shot to win that you can find yourself on. But uh, if I was the power rank before, so right now for me, I guess it would be Cantlay, Thomas, Sungjae, and probably some form of Hideki I would be willing to play. Okay. And I'd probably um, be out on everybody else. No Sungjae? Uh, Sungjae no. as the third choice. So Cantlay, Thomas, okay, Sungjae, uh, Hideki. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like Thomas. I think I'm going to be out on Morikawa, as scary as that sounds. Uh, what about Tom Kim? Just out 20%. I'm probably out on Tom Kim. I, I, he's fine. I think I am too. It's, it's, uh, he burns us every single. There's two he players that burn too. me every week. It's Morikawa and it's Tom Kim. So why stop that train at this point? That's fair. That is a fair question. <laughs> Let's go to the AK range. I think 
Cameron Young, what's your ownership there? I see 22%. Maybe that's like where some of the difference is. And you might be correct on that. I, I He is going to be so popular. I see 16% right now. Hard uh, I kind of lean towards your number being more accurate than my number, though. I think that's going to just continue to progress. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to fade him and just hope he finishes outside the top 20. Because, I mean, if he finishes 20 to 30th, that's... That's fine at that price and ownership. You guys can have that. Uh, probably not playing Spieth. Don't really like where his game's at. Sam Burns, probably not. Not for 8,600. So I always fade him, so I'm going to continue to do that. Tyrrell Hatton, you got any love for him? I like him this week. I do. At low ownership, I think he's one of my favorites. Taylor Montgomery, I fade him every week. I'm going to continue to do that. It's got to come down. Like He's not... He can't be this good. Like, he can't keep doing this, whatever that gif is. Uh, can't keep getting <laughs> away with this from, uh, what is that damn show? Uh, the meth show out in New Mexico. I suck, man. What is this show? Breaking Bad. It's a gif. It's a gif. Look it up, believe me. Um, thoughts on Shane Lowry, 8,200, sub 10%. I don't know. Like, to me, there's not that many players that I want to play in this range. And and maybe that's just what everybody's thinking, um, which is part of the problem there. But I would rather play Terrell Hatton than Lowry if you made me pick between the two. And I do not like Lowry that much at all this week. I don't know what to think about Taylor Montgomery. I, I agree with every single thing that you said. Um, the only thing I would add to that is the ownership is – fine on my end i see sub 10 percent right now i see 14 i'm out of, i'm out if he starts pushing too high but um i have like eight percent i think that six percent difference is kind of massive yeah i would agree with that all right i do like Haddon. i think that's an interesting gpp play um especially with how much better he's gotten around the green too i think this is a good spot he hits fairways too but tommy fleetwood it's going to be the x factor for me lock him in um just ball striking Jesus. That's that's what I'm going to call him. And Tommy Flea was my favorite play in this range. Probably one of my favorite plays on the board. Um, I'm seeing 4% ownership. Yeah, I see 5% ownership. So I'm right there with you. He's one of the better leverage options that I have. I I, I probably am not as out. If, if you're telling me that Cameron Young is going to be 22% owned, we can have a different discussion there with that. Uh, if he's going to be 15% owned, which is the number that I have, I would play him at that ownership percentage. Just want to throw that out there. I think it's going to come down to an ownership answer of what I do with Cameron Young because I like him this week. I would not be shocked if he won this tournament. Uh, I know he was great last week too overseas. Didn't want to hear that. Really didn't want to hear that. I think I'm out though. I got, I'm going to stick to my gun. 7K range, I mean – Let's go. Started off with one of the best golfers in the field, Jason Day. Yeah. I think this venue is awesome for him. I I love I love him here. That right. doesn't need to be said. I like him every week, but that's true. Uh, you like him anywhere? Pretty much, but my numbers seem to bear fruit to that comment. Um, you know, Day is really interesting. So anybody who uses my model, and I never do this. You'll notice that I ran it from an overall rank perspective. And then I also ran each category that I looked at over the last 24 rounds. I wanted to get Jason day to see how high he could climb in my model with it. Like this is specifically only a Jason day thing of the reason why I built it. And it is really pretty. Like he just continues to climb in all iterations of how that is. He becomes a top 15 or 20 golfer in any of those ways of doing it. So, um, 
Jason Day is back. I feel comfortable saying that at this point, and all the numbers are trending in the right direction. So I am also going to play Day. He's probably, I like a lot of these $7,000 golfers. Like there's probably, I don't know, 10 of them that I could like just very quickly rattle off, but he's definitely, if not my favorite, he's one of my favorite plays in this range. Yep. I absolutely love him. Uh, thoughts on Siwoo. He's one of my favorites at 7,800. Um, but dude, Siwoo and water. I know I'm setting myself up for heartbreak somewhere. I'm going to be watching, you know, PJ tour cast or whatever while at work. And Siwoo's going to go in the water when I need him not to. I don't know what I think about Siwoo. I, I didn't necessarily have him in my player pool right now. When I look at the weighted T to green, so he's 26th over a two-year running perspective at any course. He is ninth when I run it specifically for this tournament. That seems to be what my model likes most about him, but I don't know. There's there's some troubling stuff with the total driving uh, recently. Uh, the GIR percentage hasn't been perfect. His Is your total driving negative because he's losing distance, I guess? I mean, the dude's been hitting fairways left and right he's making putts so that's why i like him i feel like that the market is a little slow to react to him being a good putter potentially question mark maybe i it it likes like it that's what's weird about it i don't know what numbers i'm pulling compared to yours with it but like it likes some total driving with the way that i ran it over a two-year sample size it didn't necessarily maybe that's one round or something that I'd have to go see what's pulling him so far down. There might be one round that he went buck wild in the wrong direction. That's kind of skewing that data. And that's, as everybody knows, that's one of the reasons why I don't run things in such a small sample size. Like one bad round can just make the stats look so different than what they actually are with it. And we know he just won a tournament. So how bad can it actually be? Yeah. Thoughts on Billy Horschel, 5%. I'm going to say, I mean, God, he's been good here. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have an opinion on Horschel one way or another. I like the ownership percentage anytime that you can tell me that we can get a golfer that has two top 10 finishes at this tournament over the past three years and he's sub 5%. That's intriguing, but I kind of would rather play, like, let me find somebody that's... Going into last year, though, he was in really good form going into the event and continued it on, obviously. I guess this is probably, this is kind of just setting you up right now. I think I'd rather play Russell Henley at around 5% wow. for cheaper. Hell yeah. <laughs> Russell's a lock button, man. I like Russell Henley this week. So like when I wrote up my Rotoball article, the players that I mentioned, I'll just very quickly run through them here. Uh, and this was before ownership. Like ownership has changed since this article was written. I want to like a lot of these guys got more popular for whatever the reason is with it. But uh, Jason Day, Keegan Bradley, Alex Norin, the Keith Mitchell ownership has kind of run wild with it. I don't know if I necessarily want to 13% own Keith Mitchell, but if we're just looking at total driving and par five scoring, he's one of the high climbers in my model there. I had Brian Harmon, Russell Henley, the JT Poston number has kind of caught some steam too. I see 12% right now, but I really like where Poston is with his form. Uh, Brendan Steele, and then my golfer that I seem to be on every single week who I also have a top 40 bet on at plus 225. I kind of just think Davis Thompson is really good. And I know the short game That's is a disaster. He's the short game is a disaster. He's one of the worst short game players in my model, but 
I haven't had in a really long time a golfer grade this well for me from a ball striking perspective that's this young. Oh, are we talking Corey Connors a couple of years back? Maybe like him would be the last time when like when I ran it. But even I mean, Connors like at the Valero when I had him number one in my model, I guess that would be the extreme of the example there. Um, and Thompson has problems with the short game. That's probably the kind way to say that comment, but look, I mean, sub 5% own. I'm kind of willing to ignore all of that short game stuff and just bet on the upside. And look, they're completely different players, but it's like, we've even seen that general thing with the gala in the past where like, he kind of bombed it all over this course last year or whatever year that was. And, you know, he found success out here. Like, I think Davis Thompson can take that same mentality where he can be super aggressive. I love his aggression numbers that it shows for him going for the green and less shots than the field. I think if you're telling me that a golfer is going to be very aggressive and he's going to be sub 5% owned, that's how you can get a top 10 finish out of one of these players. And like, I'm fine overlooking some of the negatives that you're going to get with Thompson. If he was 15% owned, then all of a sudden you need to look more into that. But uh, I'm going to bet on the upside with him. He worries me because I do value around the green a lot too. And just like thinking of a whole like 17, if he doesn't drive the green, yeah, that's, that's, you know, like you want birdie on 17. Yeah. If you're, I don't know if this is actually factual true, but maybe you do have this somewhere, but like, if you don't play that hole minus one, I guess before the cut line, are you losing a stroke to the field? Someone's going to know that data, but I I would assume it's got to be close, right? You need to play it very close to minus one, if not over uh, a minus one average for two holes or for two rounds. And that's where it worries me. It's like, are you just going to drop a stroke to the field? Because if you're not driving that green, which he certainly has the club to do that. And he's pretty damn accurate with his driver too. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's it's certainly overthinking that one, which could be true. So the average score over the last couple years that I have, um, the field is averaging 3.73 shots on the par four there. So... 0.27 shots under par. So okay. we'll I'm call it a half a shot. I I guess. It yeah. It's yeah. like a half of a shot difference there. Okay. Well, I will continue down the seven K range real quick. Well, actually one last guy I want to talk to you about. Well, Corey Connors, King and Bradley both look great. They're going to be very high owned. I think you and I have talked multiple times about seven K chalk, like Tom Hoagie over 10%, 7,500, not playing him. McNeely. I'm taking out. I'm, Still don't know if he's even going to play. Cage Lee, if it's around 10%, I don't know. You know how we feel about him at TPC, but any, anybody in the 7K range at 10% scares me a little bit. I'd rather go to Russ Henley, like you mentioned. I do like Taylor Pendrith off a piv- as a pivot off of Super Chalky Keith Mitchell. Brian Harmon, I'll probably never play again in my life. I tell myself that every week. I have no interest in Chris or Matt Kuchar. Chris Kirk's interesting. Woodland, I think, is interesting. Yeah. I like JJ Spawn. I think this course fits him really well. He doesn't play the event though often. I think the last time he played was 2020, but I believe he was, and he was not the player he is nowadays. He is much better at his career right now, all, overall with all the metrics. But did he play in 2020? Yes, he did. Tied 47th, and I think he played 19, tied 50th. So as a much you know, inferior golfer as he was then, like significantly better off the tee, significantly better iron play, significantly better putter with two solid, you know, quality finishes. I mean, at, at 7,300, if you finish 
47th is probably not going to kill your lineup, but a two to three percent owned for a guy that has competed with all these guys, especially at the century. I think he finished top top 12. He was 12th, maybe. Um, I think Spawn's got some legs here at that low ownership. I'd much rather have him over Harmon Mitchell. I do like Taylor Pendrith. Um, finally showed some life for us last week. But I think JJ Spawn in the low 7K range is probably my favorite play with Tommy Fleetwood. But my question, again, I'm just ranting here, but the player pool is so good. I mean, the DFS conversation is probably necessary. Aaron Wise, is he ever going to crack this place? I, Were you? Do you have your betting card from last year? I feel like you talked about Aaron Wise a ton. Did you, or am I imagining that? Let me let me find it very quickly. But yeah, I mean, Aaron Aaron Wise is seventy six hundred. Like that seems so so sexy. But I, I mean, everybody's gonna kind of lean off because of course history is not good and the recent form. Like he he wasn't even bad at the last event. It was just a crazy birdie fest that he just didn't keep up. I think he shot seventy seventy and then sixty eight and missed a cut there. Right. At the American, yeah. Iron Play was horrible, but my, and that, my, data, that data is kind of skewed too. So, like, I'm pulling data from like I try to weigh those events with multiple tracks, very the rotational events, like you said in the beginning. I'd like damn near try to cut them out of my numbers. Yeah, like I don't see where I bet wise at this tournament. Um, okay. I'll tell I, you, maybe maybe I just think you're an Aaron Wise fan. I, I bet Aaron Wise almost every week, so I'm surprised he's not on my card. I'll tell you very quickly who I did have. Um, I don't know if this makes a difference, but I had Scotty Scheffler at 30 to 1, which, I mean, that price feels incredible yeah, a year that ago. Was a that that yeah. was a good time. That was a good time. Billy Horschel, 66 to 1. Uh, Keith Mitchell, 110 to 1. Cameron Davis, who's not going to... By the way, you need to trade me Cameron Davis in the season-long league. Uh, 130 to 1. <laughs> And then KH Lee, 130 to one. Okay. Do you Whatever. have Tommy Fleetwood in season long? Uh, no. Okay. Cause I would I think I'm the only person that hasn't won a game yet. I just play the high score every single week. That's like two for two on that right now. Hey, you bring out everybody's a game. They look like my across, team. They look across the field and they see Spencer Aguiar and his boys getting loose. They're like, all right, this is our Super Bowl. I have a young team. I just like, it's one of those things, 30 foot putt. Ah, let's just move to the next hole. You guys can have it. <laughs> Love that, but Aaron Wise before the Amex, nothing but top twenty-five finishes, seventy-six hundred. I know this score. I don't get why he's been bad here. It doesn't make any sense to me. I have not looked at round by round. I don't. I just believe Aaron Wise is a better golfer than that, and he's been like like JJ Spawn. He's been getting better every single year. I think seventy-six hundred for a guy with top ten upside like Aaron Wise. I'm interested in that. You could convince me based off of that answer, like a sub 5% guy who can actually go out and win the tournament. Sure. The two things that are going to hurt him or, or I guess have hurt him in the past, not great on fast screens, 141st, uh, not good on TPC tracks, which I mean, he's 114th. Like I kind of made the argument of why this isn't your prototypical TPC course, but for whatever reason, he's still struggling here. But if you remove those two things from the equation, which I guess, I mean, that's something that I technically can do very quickly uh yeah i mean then he jumps up to 20th in my model like that's a massive That'd be beautiful go finish 20th at 7600 in low ownership i will take that yeah it's boom or bust but at sub five percent that's kind of what you're looking for find a skill set that somebody can attach to the week and you know give, give a top 10 finish out of it i i don't hate that i think he's very volatile though like i'm not going to be shocked if he misses the cut again hmm. all right anybody in the 7k range that we did not talk about I would no, say again, just to recap, me. I'm all on spawn for the ownership. Um, 
probably still going to roll the dice on Aaron Wise. Don't know what I'm going to do with Corey Connors and Keegan Bradley. I'll probably fade Corey Connors. Probably do the same with Keegan Bradley, too. I have 15% ownership. Like, I'm okay with planting my flag that Aaron Wise and, you know, Siwoo Kim, let's say, and Jason Day can keep up with those guys. It's kind of the game theory game I'll be playing there. And low 7Ks, I don't really like anybody outside of J.J. Spawn. Maybe I'll play Gary Woodland. Um, I'll, I'll probably play one of Bradley or Connors. Um, yeah. Lucas Herbert, everybody's talking about him, too. You know, top three finishes in a row overseas. I'm, I'm good on him. I'll pass. Yeah. Wyndham Clark. I never play Wyndham Clark. He seems to always be a fan favorite. I'm good there. Joel Damon, which it is Damon, by the way. Just an inside joke for you. Uh, Christian Bezaden Hout. <laughs> I like Christian Bezaden Hout at 1% ownership. The ball striking numbers aren't there, but the proximities that I ran, I probably should stretch him out to that. I was telling you pre-show, like 125 to 175 is kind of my main area here. I probably should stretch him out to 200 because he's a little bit shorter off the tee compared to everybody else. But that 125 to 175 range looks really, really good. I don't 1% ownership. Like I know he's, and well, he finished 11th at the Amex. It's just a guy that hits every single fairway. I feel like he's just, he's going to make the cut. It's kind of how I look at this, you know, with the putting around the green, he can make birdies, but the par fives may kill him. I'm indifferent on him. Um, I like the 1% ownership. Like, obviously, it's hard to say anything negative about that. I guess the last player before we just very quickly run into the $6,000 section. Do you have any thoughts on Adam Hadwin? Not at 5%. I think I'll rather just roll the dice on a couple 1% guys. I probably won't play Trey Molinax as much as I kind of like him. But I think I'd rather go, like you sold me on Davis Thompson a little bit. I'd rather have exposure to Bizaden how Davis Thompson. And I'll probably just be a homeboy and play. Taylor Moore, but Adam Hadwin, I mean, he grades well for me. Let me see where he's at overall. It's pretty high. It's actually very high. 29th overall for me. I have him 27th for whatever that's worth. Okay. I mean, that's and I'm not close. saying that like, it's probably like if you were to take our, let's just take the middle of our number. Let's say 28. He, he looks probably, like Siwoo with a putter is yeah. the data that he compares to. The problem is he's probably not going to come inside the top 28th i mean he never really seems to so which he, we don't need him to i mean like if he comes in where is he priced if he came in the top 40 that's that that would be fine but i, I, don't I think know. he's a very very strong play to make the cut which is fine at 7100 like you said yeah let's finish top 40 would be great i think he's very similar to bizaden now it might be the answer we might be giving is just he's a better cash game play yeah, I yeah, I think his upside is better than Webb's, but not much higher. His well, floor is significantly higher. Upside's about the same as how I'd look at Adam Hadwin. We can agree to disagree there, but let's quickly <laughs> wrap this up in the six thousand dollars. Yeah, six six K range, and we're not going to name all these guys. Um, I really don't have a read on many. I think Eric Van Ruyen kind of tricked us after playing so well and then yeah. shit the bed last week. He's on my fantasy team and starting this week. I don't know, man. I really don't like anybody. Like, maybe Mark Hubbard, C300. Yeah. His think... iron play looked fantastic last week and looks like the toe injury is behind him. But, he, you know, he looks like a poor man's head one. Like, the, it's not going to get you there off the tee. He hit a bunch of fairways. Does he have any course history here? Let's. Check. Yeah, he does. Uh, 30th in 2021, 9th in 2020. He's a better player now than he was then back far, right? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think like the ownership is, we're seeing I'm it. I'm cool with hubs. 
I am too. I, I'm watching all the ownership condense in the same spots and there's very few players that are exceeding 5% with how I ran this. Like I guess Jonathan Vegas would be slightly over. Um, Hayden Buckley would be the chalk of the range who I'm just going to be out on at that percentage. I always like Martin Laird in the desert. I think that you give him firm, fast greens, you kind of get the best version of what he's able to produce. We've He's a fairway finder. Yeah, we've seen three top 26 finishes for him at this tournament over the last five years. I think he's intriguing at 2.7%. Uh, Emiliano Grio is always interesting to me. I see him at 3.45%, but like that's kind of what you're getting in this range with most of these players. Like even down to Hubbard, 3.98, James Hahn, 2.21. I kind of like James Hahn. It's like these golfers that I think at 2%, you can kind of still dart throw them here and they're going to be volatile, but we've seen them produce top 10 potential at this tournament in the past. So I like them. The only other one that I've kind of gotten your thoughts on, and I have a head-to-head wager, which is just moving in the wrong direction every single time I look, but I took Scott Stallings plus 100 over Denny McCarthy. Um, I mean, whether you want to look at that as a DFS answer or a betting question, I know you weren't in love with it, but do you have anything to add to that? No, I'm saying it's kind of in between. Both those guys are so close in my grades that I, I wouldn't take a stand on either of it. I don't love this betting board is what it comes down to, unfortunately. Like it of all so I've given six head-to-head plays so far this year from a pre-tournament perspective. All six have won. If you were to tell me that this was going to be the first loser, like this is to me what a losing ticket would look like. But I, I had proper value in <laughs> I had proper value more in the minus 120, minus 121 range. So, you know, 20, 21 points of value. It was enough for me to feel comfortable recommending the play just because things are moving in the opposite direction. Like it wouldn't shock me if we ended up getting a plus one Oh five out of this and it even increases the value. And I don't think that this is going to move in the direction of where Stallings really attracts any money here. So I don't know, like if you're telling me I can get 20 points of value and I think the number is going to stay flat. I was more willing to recommend the play than I normally would. Cause the last thing I ever want is to give a 20 point value play and within 10 minutes of giving it away, the value's gone. Like that doesn't help anybody when you do that, but the number is going to stand flat. I'd be more willing to at least kind of, I guess, draw a line in the sand that Denny McCarthy is not a good golfer, which is what I say every single week. And then it never works out when I fade him. Yeah. Um, All right. One question I have for you. Okay. Is Davis Riley bad or what's going on with him? I mean, ball striking was fantastic last week. Gets cut, can't make a putt. He's been negative putting six straight events, ah, but I just I can't quit the talent. Kind of like you with Matt Wallace last year. I just think Riley's <laughs> Matt Wallace for Matt Wallace. <laughs> I think Riley's short game is just really bad, and maybe like that's the same answer that we eventually because I like Davis Riley six months ago. And maybe this is the same answer that I find myself landing on with Davis Thompson if he doesn't uh, fix it. But something with these Davises that can't do anything around the green is kind of becoming a problem. I would agree. All right. That's fair. We're young. That's what it is. I don't think I have anything else to talk about this week. I mean, if you very quickly want to run through any bets that you like, um, I mean, I guess shoot them out. But other than that, that's kind of it for me. Are you done on web? 7K, 1%. (laughs) Um. I mean, because he, like, the day it was clear and he played Pebble, I think he played Pebble on third, no, because it was not, he played Friday. He was good on Friday. 
And then all hell broke loose with the weather and he kind of fell apart. I think there's a little bit of intrigue with Webb Simpson at 1% owned. Look at you. I know. It comes up every damn show. But no, that's uh, that's it. I'll, I'll go through the bets if you want it real quick. I, I just want to throw this out there. I'm not going to give a Webb Simpson comment. I don't know how many times a guy can burn me on this show before like I just start looking insane doing it every single week. But look, the upside numbers look good for a golfer that's going to be 1% owned. Like That's what I consistently keep going back to with him is um, there's a lot of upside whether or not Nick wants to admit it at very minimal ownership and a very cheap price tag. The proximities are just so bad. His iron play is gone. Uh, I mean, he graded 57th overall for me this week. This is the lowest he's been in probably in the history of me running a model in five years. Good. I love that. All right. Betting board real quick. I took Aaron Wise to win 85 to one. Christian Bezaden had to win 200 to one. Uh, That was FanDuel for Wise. DraftKings for uh, Bez. Siwoo to win on points bet 80 to one. Taylor Pendrith to win on points bet 150 to one. And I'm deciding on what stud I want to take up top because I do have room for that. The only top 40 that I have is Taylor Pendrith plus 130 on FanDuel. Bezaden how plus 185 on FanDuel. Don't love that number. I think that was a little bit of a force. Um, Asterix hammer kid play. JJ Spawn DraftKings plus 125 and the true hammer kid play. Tommy Fleetwood top 40 on FanDuel plus 120. I guess for me the play that I'd be most comfortable giving out on here is my favorite bet. Um, and I've kind of made this joke in some articles this week. Like if you hear me give a favorite bet, that's not a head to head. That kind of explains what I think about the board at the end of the day. But mm-hmm. I'm going to say, if you have access to bet three, six, five, which I know we're narrowing the player pool of people that can, uh, get on that website. I like JT post in the finish 50th or better at minus minus one twenty. Uh, that's probably one of my preferred plays there. And then, um, I ended up having outright bets on, Patrick Cantlay at 24 to one and Justin Thomas, 26 to one. You can find those currently on bookmaker, but that's kind of a book specific play there. Cause I think they're lower than that everywhere else. So I don't know how much good that does if you don't have access. And that's the problem with this board. It's like, I feel like we're just dart throwing and forcing things right now. And that's what I don't want to be doing. And look, we have to produce content and we have to talk about players we like and, you know, it's one of those weeks where, unfortunately, in my writing, I had to write about players that I found value on and the one book that I found the value on. So I don't know how helpful that necessarily is. I kind of don't try to ever go that route for that reason. But I don't know. The golf board has just fallen on its face right now. Until something changes, we kind of are in this spot every single week. Yep. And I think the winner is going to be one of Ram, Rory, or Scotty. Kind but of. If you, can get a, if you can get an 85 to 1 on Fleetwood, I don't see it anymore and i did not punch it earlier but i'll keep an eye on it i think fleetwood's got some life here before he ramps up to go tear up the florida swing yeah never dislike that with fleetwood but i guess that'll do it this week for this show you can find nick on twitter at sticks picks i am at t off sports the two of us can be found together at better golf pod and if you have any questions about the week from either a dfs or betting perspective please feel free to reach out to us at one of those handles Thanks again to everyone that tuned into the show today, and we look forward to seeing you guys back here next week for the Genesis Invitational.